So, rewatchers, a warning before we dive into this one. This episode stars adult film star Tracy Lord, uh, and as a result, we make a lot of jokes about her films and some of the language that might be used is a little different than what we normally do. So, if that kind of a discussion of that kind of thing bothers you, this might not be the best episode for you. And I apologize as the main offender. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do think that stuff is funny, buckle up because it'll be a fun ride, which might be the name of one of her movies. <laughs> we can't do a joke in the disclaimer. <laughs> that joke was fairly innocent. <laughs> Reasonably. Yes. Yeah. So enjoy the episode, innocent. everybody. Been around a long time, Rich. 400 years, I'd say that's quite a bit of time, yeah. Yeah, but sometimes I feel even older than that. I've seen so many things. I've, I've fought so many battles. People become part of your life and then they... They just die. All stays with you, Rich. You live with it. Their hopes, their dreams, their pain, their love. everybody welcome to highlander rewatch the podcast where each and every week the three of us your rewatchers revisit our favorite franchise from the late 80s and early 90s highlander each and every week we discuss a different portion of the highlander universe in detail i am one of your rewatchers keith this is kyle this is amen how's it going guys pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> bernie sanders <laughs> <laughs> uh so before we jump into this week's episode uh we wanted to talk about some of the reader mail we got uh from one of our previous episodes where we asked the question is life worth living if you can't die uh, so we've got a bunch of responses uh, via our email and our Facebook, so I thought I'd read some of them aloud to you guys. Yeah, yeah. Matthew W. wrote, Of course, first I submit that immortals are humans because they played with the same insecurities, obsessions, and pitfalls as mortals. Case in point, oftentimes immortals are not able to see immortality for the gift it truly is. You are afforded the time to see this world and this life for what it truly is. See other cultures, other minds, other lands. Experience the diversity of people and maybe find out that although on the surface we are different, deep down we're all the same. You can gain an experience and that only mortals can dream of because you have the time, the means, and little fear of death or injury. That's a pretty thoughtful answer. Yeah. yeah. So immortals can't see the forest for the trees. Yeah. I don't know what that means. What does that expression mean? You can't see the forest through the tree. Like, uh, it's, you can't see the big picture. All you okay. see are these, are you the see the individual in trees. You don't okay. know, you don't realize that you're in a system. Am I stupid? Yep. <laughs> yes. That's our, th- that's our theory. Jill writes, in my personal opinion, simply not being able to grow old and die should not be a reason for life not being worth living. Highlander Immortals do have an out, though, if they really can't stand it. While you can make a choice, live, discover, play, love. Also, in the words of Bill and Ted, be excellent to each other. Thanks, Jill. <laughs> Zach O. writes, Jill says it well. Eternal life comes down to what you choose to make of it. Not every mortal is not lucky enough to get that chance. And Kim E. writes, I don't think it's worth it if you don't have someone that's a mortal with you. 
while you could conceivably see and do everything you ever wanted, it would just get depressing outliving everyone and knowing you're alone. Constantly starting the cycle over and over of who you let into your life, explain your secret, watch them die, and then repeat. Forever. Sounds exhausting and lonely. Thanks, Kim. (laughs) (laughs) My reading of that made no sense. (laughs) That was like if an alien came down and tried to read a human sentence not knowing what it was. Like someone just phonetically told them what those words were. Vince S. writes, If you had no way of dying and kept going on and on, I don't know if I would want that. But in Highlander universe, there is a chance you could die, so that's different. But the anxiety of always having to be ready for another immortal to come upon you would be hard at first to deal with that's interesting because the the existence of other immortals trying to kill you is an interesting wrinkle to this because one it does mean that you do have some fear of death so that's something that kind of is humanizing and connects you to it but that must be so unbelievably stressful like in our lives like i'm not worried that just categorically there's a group of people trying to kill me that might find me at any moment right yeah there's not a day-to-day fear of death really yeah like it must be like being in like a gang war 24 7 right Right. like that's the best example of like a a, a human that i can think of that like there's just an entire class of other people who actively wants to destroy you regardless of what you're doing in any given moment yeah it's like you're a fugitive like simply by living yeah because you know at any time you could just be you know i don't know you could be like going to the bathroom at a gas station and like feel the buzz (laughs) and have to worry about having to sword fight somebody it's worrisome liz s writes on a personal level immortality would be punishing seeing loved ones grow old and die dealing with the constant change in the world around you but on a grander level i keep thinking of the experiences to be had and the contributions an older experienced immortal could make to the world For that reason, I really appreciate the immortals in the series who try to make themselves helpful to others. Right, like you could one day invent a giant dome that protects the world from ozone (laughs) (laughs) depletion. That's right. So should we hop into this week's episode, guys? Yeah, yeah. All right, so thank you everybody for joining us. This week's episode is Season 2, Episode 4, The Darkness. This first aired on Monday, October 18th. 1993. This was directed by Paolo Barsman. Yeah. Uh, we've seen him before. He did Avenging Angel, uh, which we were divided on. Yeah, strangely divided. Yes. <laughs> uh, and The Hunters, uh, mm. which we all, I think, pretty much liked. Yeah. It was a pretty good episode. And he's got a bunch more to come. I think he's got 10 more he in has, the yeah, pipeline. He has 13 episodes yeah, total. total. That's pretty cool. This episode was written by Christian Boveron and Lawrence Shore. Uh, mm. They both wrote the episode Eye of the Beholder mm. uh, previously, which is another one I think that was like Pretty decent season yeah. one episode. Uh, but Larry Shore, Lauren Shore, uh, he's the guy, we mentioned him on a previous podcast, uh, that directed uh, the movie Hanukkah Hoops. Oh, <laughs> oh right. 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 Uh, which I was visiting the IMDb page for that. Uh, it has a new release date, which is 2018, and also a new subtitle, which is Hanukkah Hoops, colon, A Shot in the Light. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I cannot wait to see that. 2018? 2018. Jeez. I- <laughs> I could dunk for eight crazy nights. <laughs> uh, uh, so this episode has a couple guest stars. It guest stars Andrew Jackson as Palin Wolf. Uh, he's done a ton of episodic TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kind of one of those uh, Northwest actors that you just see all the time and stuff. So, And it also stars um, Miss Tracy Lords as Greta. Um, you may have seen her in, I don't know, 1984's What Gets Me Hot. Uh, also in 1984, A Night of Loving Dangerously. Uh, 86's Beverly Hills Copulator, 
1984's Talk Dirty to Me, Part 3. Uh, maybe it was the Pony Girl from 85, or Sex Shoot, or Sex Fifth Avenue, or Portrait of Lust, or Pony Girl Number 2, or Physical 2, or right. Perfect Fit, or Peekaboo Gang, uh, okay. or Sex Waves. Nope. Any of these? <laughs> well, so for those who aren't following, Tracy Lord was a pornographic actress in the early '80s who made a transition into being an actor and a, a singer and an artist and a bunch of other mm-hmm. different things. Also, caused a massive scandal because she shot some of those pornographic films yeah. while underage. All is... of them, but one. Yeah, oh, God, it's really yeah. crazy. I mean, to be fair to Miss Lords, uh, she is in <laughs> a lot of. Legitimate movies yeah. too. Um, she's she's had a pretty profound career. No, she has. Yeah. After that, but you know. Okay, so we're gonna play a little game here. Tracy Lords has an eclectic filmography, some of which were adult films, some of which were not. So we're gonna see if Keith and Eamon can tell the difference between Tracy Lords' non-pornographic movies and her adult films. Here we go: The Nut House or Breaking It. Oh, no. When you say legitimate movie, <laughs> which one of these is a non-pornographic film? <laughs> the Nut House or Breaking It? Keith, you guess first. I'll say Breaking It. Is the real movie? Yeah. I'm going to, I'll just play devil's advocate and say The Nut House. The correct answer is The Nut House. Yeah! <laughs> Highlander Slam Dunk. Highlander Slam Duncan. Oh! <laughs> oh, man. Which one of these... Is not a pornographic film. Drag Strip Girl or Talk Dirty to Me? Uh, I'm going to say Talk Dirty to Me is not the X-rated movie. I'll, I'll say the Gino. <laughs> I'll say the Drag Strip. Drag Strip Girl is correct. <laughs> oh, huh. And we'll just do one last one. Is it which one of these is again not porn? <laughs> is it Point of Entry? Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Or point of entry two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, electric Boogaloo? Yeah. Or Hot Cum Orgy. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Hot Cum Orgy is the legitimate film. Oh, uh, jeez. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's the other one. Whatever the other one was. <laughs> yeah, point of entry. Point of entry. <laughs> Not porn. Oh, man. Uh, very good. That was good. Yeah. So this week's episode description from IMDb is Duncan proposes marriage to Tessa, but can he escape a long-ago curse? As well as a mortal who uses her as bait. Excuse me? This is the what? <laughs> this, uh-huh. this is the most off point. So I, I did not read this description before we recorded this. And, well, we'll get to it in the episode, but I never thought of Duncan having a curse put on no, him. And we need to talk neither. about that later. Because that's crazy. I think that's false. Yeah. <laughs> so. This episode opens with uh, like a, a completely new kind of credit sequence. Like it's like yeah. matrixy font. What? Yeah, I guess it's supposed to be his night vision. Yeah. goggles. Yeah. But they've never done anything like this before, where they've gotten like creative with the uh, the opening titles. And nothing striking in my mind that they do this in the future. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. I, this this had the look of like. I wonder if this was packaged like a like a movie in the original run yeah. or something like that. Oh. Like, there's some reason they set it apart. I don't know because it's so puzzling. I like this. I, I like that. To me, it did make it kind of more cinematic, and I thought it was interesting and kind of how they were. Like, usually in the beginning of these TV shows, they like sprinkle the credits in like a trail of breadcrumbs. Right. <laughs> but 
Here they were like just showing it up front, but there are little snippets of things happening. In it is like a creepy beginning. Yeah, I, I thought like it was pretty screaming and it's yeah whooshing sounds. I thought it was effective. Now I'll say the font choice and the weird <laughs> making it green didn't really look very good. <laughs> no, no, but especially I, the way it like swooshed in and out. Yeah, like it the the font kind of crackles into and out of view in this green I color. Think if they went with a good sans serif font instead of this weird serif font it didn't look right we're back on font rewatch yeah. we've talked about fonts quite a bit on this show but like as a technique i i thought it was effective and i thought it prepared me for the right mood for this episode yeah so the opening of this is we don't get too much we get yeah. clues uh mm-hmm. it's like a night vision sort of thing it's all pov mm-hmm. and somebody's tied up in a room uh and we know a watcher has is doing something right we see their tattoo we see the tattoo but yeah it's a pov shot there's a woman tied to a chair and there's a weird like twin peaks tiled floor. yeah yeah that yeah. is it is very twin peaks yeah. yeah so you get yeah. the impression that she's being used as bait uh to catch i guess her a boyfriend who's mm-hmm. immortal where we find out his name is james james yep. don't do it james and the, the the guy, the kidnapper, he's like touching her face and head in yeah, that really, really creepy. so creepy way. Yeah. Which I, I want to talk about that later. We'll, we'll cover that later. Good. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it's it's really creepy. So James shows up in a uh, white turtleneck. Looking, yeah, he looking has sharp. It like do all immortals wear turtlenecks? Grayson wore a turtleneck. Patone wore a turtleneck. I, Mac frequently wears turtlenecks. I think, or is it just a nineties? I think it's a not like cool it's guys in the nineties. War turtlenecks? War turtlenecks, yeah, I think so. Good guys wear turtlenecks. <laughs> and double-breasted suits with giant lapels. That's yeah. right, Dave Lapel. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so this this guy, Andrew Jackson, who's there in the house, he's mm-hmm. a total creep. Yep. I'm talking about the president now, not, yeah. <laughs> not, not the hunter. Uh, well, he's like saying things like, do you ever wear red dresses? And like, It's like, what? Like, why are why? you doing this? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he seems to be taking, like, sick pleasure out of this. Like, it's about more than just him being, like, one of the hunters right. after Immortals. Like, right. he's he's got other problems, too, right. that yeah. he just likes kidnapping and torturing women. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, he's he's using her as bait, and he's done this before. Right. The Immortal shows up. James. The James. Immortal James. <laughs> and In the words of the Immortal James. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, he, he finds this room where he meets this guy. So Andrew Jackson has a totally sweet night vision goggle set up mm-hmm. and the pov shot we initially saw we didn't quite specify he's in the green nitosphere vision then when he pulls it down and we get that pov shot of his like watcher symbol and he's clearly going to use this to to great advantage mm-hmm. he tells the girl that he beats immortals because he cheats yeah. right so anyway, James comes to rescue his girlfriend, and they end up in this, like, kind of dark room. It's like an arena, almost, Yeah, it looks like, or uh, a ring. So the advantage this guy has is that he shuts off all the lights, uses his night vision, and then kills the other immortal. Which with is, a sword. With a sword. So yeah, yeah. He, he dispatches James pretty quickly. Um, yeah, he, like, pokes him in the back a couple times, yeah. which it's like, yeah. this guy's, like, turning around for some reason. It's like, you knew where he was. Like, <laughs> right. maybe you should try listening to him <laughs> instead of, like, twirling around in circles. Like, what do you what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Do you think he teleported behind you? Like, yeah. <laughs> did you get this? Did you get dizzy? <laughs> like, what happened? So that's our exciting introduction to mm-hmm. the villain and, I guess, uh, what will become the plot of this episode. So then we are, uh, we cut to a club sort of place, bar. It's uh, like a bar pool hall yeah. or something. And so Richie's hanging out with 
Tracy Lords, mm-hmm. and uh, she's like a fortune teller. Yeah. So she's Greta. giving reading uh, his fortune, which is that mm-hmm. he's not going to have any luck with the ladies, which I yeah. thought was kind of funny. <laughs> the mysterious Greta, and they are in the darkest club on the planet. Like, I know this episode is called The Darkness, but oh my God, this episode is so dark that I feel like 40% of the shots in this episode, like, it's that extreme, are... <laughs> are too dark, like are ruined by how dark they are. <laughs> and this entire sequence, way too dark. Like it's you really can't dark. see anything. I feel like I squinted through this entire episode. <laughs> uh, so Tess leans over to Duncan. They're also at a, a, a table yeah, they're drinking. There too. Yeah. And Tess is like, hey, baby, do you see anything you like here? And I was at my first thought was I was like, are they trying to pick up a, like a swinging buddy? I was like, <laughs> is that where this is going? They're trying to get a third. No, but no, Tess is just fishing for compliments. Mm. So they're basically going to leave this bar and go bump uglies. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've never really thought about that, that idiom of bumping uglies. Does that mean like your dick is your ugly? Like that's an ugly? I think so. I, I don't know. But, <laughs> like, is there there's there like a singular of that? I don't know. Urban Dictionary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, Richie brings Greta over, and Greta wants to read Duncan and Tess's palms or whatever. So she right. reads Tess's palm, and she gets these crazy visions. She's like, yeah. I'm Greta. I'm the seventh daughter of the seventh oh, yes. son. Yeah. I was just sitting there like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> you fraud. Yeah. Or is she? Uh, so she gets this crazy vision. It's all like squiggle vision and stuff. And we see some violent images, kind of, yeah. and yelling. And there's there's some some t- tiled floors, blood, this weird grinning man, and then the opening of a James Bond sequence right. with a yeah, gunshot and blood, blood pouring down, down. the <laughs> tile of the screen. Yeah, I was just thinking, bam, 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 yeah. bam, 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 bam. <laughs> Daniel Craig stumbles out. <laughs> So uh, Greta warns Tess that she's, like, got to get out of town because something bad's happening. And she really spooks Tess out. Yeah, she does this thing twice, right? And she's like, whoa, what was that? (laughs) Like, it's kind of hammy. And the whole thing is bizarre. Yeah. And my entire notes are just like, wait, wait, wait. Does this show contemplate that Tracy Lord has actual psychic powers? Because what? (laughs) <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, so they decide they're going to leave because Tess is feeling uncomfortable uh, mm-hmm. about what this woman has said to her. And Duncan gives her a speech about how we decide our own fate. Should we, should we listen to this little clip? Yeah. This one. Don't let it bother you. She seems so upset. What about the sword? How could she know about that? Well, maybe it was a coincidence. Or maybe she really did have a psychic experience and caught a glimpse of our life together. Duncan's on board right away. She scared me. <laughs> hey, Tess, nothing's written in stone. Whatever she saw or didn't see, we decide our future. And it's whatever we want it to be. Hold me. <laughs> I love you, Duncan. I love you too, sweetheart. Aww. D- d- no. Just foreshadowing. Does this mean that this show also contemplates some kind of predestination, like predetermination, excuse me? Like, Good question, because actually what Duncan says there is almost contradictory, because he's like, maybe she did see a, a vision of our future. We decide our own fates. It's like, it's one I, or the other, right? No, like, so, uh, so a vision of our lives together is what uh, he says. And obviously he fights with swords all the goddamn time. That's true. <laughs> but that being said, she does have a vision, and what he says ends up being false. Like, oh, no, you are 
she did see the future. You, spoiler alert, Tess gets a James Bond moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, good question, Kyle. Uh, I know from seeing the show, the show does kind of get into that territory about fate and prophecies down the road. Uh, but it is, this is certainly a new, like some new territory for the show to be in. Uh, it's, yeah. it's subtle, I suppose, but it's new. So then we get this crazy flashback that's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Uh, yep. Duncan is in a gypsy camp in 1848, mm-hmm. and he's macking it with a Carmen. Carmen. Yeah. She's a swell looker. <laughs> yeah, she's a lovely lady, and she is not lovely at acting. <laughs> <laughs> so she reads Duncan's uh, palm. Like I thought it was pretty stealthily. Aren't they just like making out? Oh yeah, and she yeah she reads it like while they're smooching. Yeah, and know. it's like whoa, you're multitasking here. <laughs> well, and then she just sort of like flips out, she tries to stab him. Yeah, because by reading his palm, she determines that he's never going to marry. Right, and he's going to have lots of lovers. Yeah, so she's like, "You're a terrible person. I thought you wanted to marry me." Right, and so then she demands like her brother fight this guy to the death it's like this this, this escalates so quickly yeah. it's also like oh i touched his hand and then i realized oh what's best is like roman her brother roman polanski no just roman oh <laughs> uh, roman's like well let's keep a cool head about this grandma is this true <laughs> like, like, check you check his hand and she's like oh checks out yeah checks out but then he's like all right you raped my sister yeah, yeah what's gets, that yeah it gets so crazy yeah and weird. he challenges duncan to like a tied hand knife fight if he doesn't marry her on the spot right? yeah <laughs> and like cuts his face about it yep yeah this is so bonkers but then as quickly as this escalates it de-escalates just as quickly and everything's fine and duncan yeah. just has to leave yeah. duncan uses his ribbon cutting power yeah. <laughs> where he just like cuts the scarf he tied their hands together with which mm-hmm. by the way was a very long scarf like mm-hmm. you could get like a good five feet away from someone <laughs> yeah. on this scarf so interesting knife fight but <laughs> yeah so after this flashback, we, we're back in the present at this mm-hmm. club, and I guess Duncan. Oh wait, we don't want to gloss over what she says to him. Uh, so what's her name? Carmen. 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 As Duncan's leaving, I guess curses her, but not really. She she yells like, "You're gonna like have many lovers, but marry none, yeah, right. or something, or, or you're gonna bur- lose. and you'll like bury hundreds of women, or right?" Something like that. So anyway, mm-hmm. I just thought this was her reading his fortune, but yeah. after reading that IMDb description written by who knows who on the internet yeah i never even considered that this was a curse no false wrong because she's upset with him for that very reason right yeah so that's so she could sense. not have been the one that cursed him yeah. so we come out of this flashback back to the club uh and i guess what this greta has told him and mm-hmm. duncan reconsidering this thing in the past about him not marrying uh, has made him a little sentimental and he wants to tie the knot with tess yeah and so he proposes mm-hmm. via song, yeah. via musical yeah. number. He's like, will you marry me? Will, will you marry me? me? And he's like on his knees with his arms wide open. It's kind of funny, actually. It's cute. I like this part. Yeah. But then he's like asking straight. She's like, what do you think? Should she marry me? Should she marry me? It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. It's so great. Yeah. He's like, so, yeah, everybody like get involved in this. But like, I buy it. I buy his enthusiasm. Yeah. Like. He really is like he's jazzed about this idea, right? Again, another weird tonal shift. Like they yeah. get engaged, and then Duncan's like, "I gotta go." Like, well, yeah, he, he sees you know, someone he sees watching people him. watching. Them. Yeah, yeah, and he goes to like see what their deal is, and then he runs into Richie and tells Richie 
that he's engaged to test now. And Rich's reaction is really weird. He's like, well, why now? Like, uh, what's up with that? Like, uh, We all know why. Yeah, because Richie and Tess have this whole side piece yeah. going on. <laughs> yeah. Richie's I like, actually oh, thought you're getting that. married? Like, oh, I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's like, D- don't you think that's kind of weird? Like, why Why now? Or no, Tess tells Richie. Yeah, but still, Richie it's thinks still it's weird. It's still a strange reaction. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he, he's practically just like, but we, it's, but... Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Does this mean we still can't? We can still do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, sure. <laughs> You're a virile young lover. After this, we get uh, we kind of see the afterglow of Tess and Duncan in bed, and they're mm-hmm. kind of hanging out, and Tess is wondering what it would have been like if they had never met and what fate's all about. It's an interesting uh, conversation. The gang is hanging out, like, on the balcony or catwalk at the antique store just drinking mm-hmm. day drinking day drinking <laughs> some white wine yeah and chilling out and richie's again like well you guys are getting married like can i be best man i just yeah. don't, don't leave me out guys yeah and so they're talking about open the store i guess is opening back up tomorrow mm-hmm. big grand opening or something Ooh. which is i guess exciting although not to spoil things but what happens with this like this just disappears yeah like they're like we're gonna open the store and then as we find out in the next couple episodes, like, I don't know what happened. Like, I guess nah. it's just done. Mac notices that somebody is watching, mm-hmm. and he pulls some awesome Batman shit. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, the, Richie and Tess are, like, turned to the side, and Mac just, whoosh, drops yeah. off. And they're like, what happened to Mac? <laughs> like, it's awesome. I, yeah. I, 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 like, really thought that was fun. And then they go on this wild foot chase through Seacouver. Duncan, like, actually smashes someone's windshield. Did anyone notice that? Like, no. at yeah. one point during this chase, he runs, or it's a stunt guy, he runs over a car. And I had to watch it in slow motion. I was like, holy shit, what happened to that window? And, like, his boot, like, cracks the window, like, pretty wow. bad. That shot is awesome. Yeah. That is, like, a budget-defying shot, <laughs> I felt like. Because, like, the camera kind of, like, sweeps to the side. The stuntman or adrian or whoever it is like sprints up this station wagon and just tears off the side of it it's like an awesome like parkour jump and just drills the guy who was following him it's a totally sweet shot i watched it like three times so we find out that this is all a a diversion tactic it would seem so some uh, a goon comes in i guess the guy from the beginning Mm -hmm. uh, andrew jackson he comes into the antique store tases the shit out of richie pov shot like yeah Yeah. these are so weird like i guess they felt like they needed to reflect the night vision in some way so they introduced Mm -hmm. this like pov mechanic for martin van buren excuse me andrew jackson (laughs) and it just is odd Though seeing a POV of him getting tasered, is, is of Richie epic. Ryan getting tasered, is fantastic. <laughs> and then they kidnap Tess. And the guy that Duncan was chasing has a buddy who pulls up on a motorcycle. And, and they scoot they away. get away. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so eventually Duncan returns back to the antique store and he finds Richie laying on the ground. And yep. Richie, like, mumbles his way through what happened. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, let's listen to Richie's dumb talk. <laughs> Mac, your guy comes in here and zap me. What guy? I don't know. It's a big guy. What are you doing? Blonde hair. Where's Tessa? I don't know. Our seventh president. Mac, I'm sorry. What happened? I just have a feeling I've just been set up. Like the British at the Battle of New Orleans. <laughs> Mac, this guy comes in here. Oh, How many Andrew Jackson jokes do you think we can cram into this episode? <laughs> 
Hey, Rewatchers, this is Kyle reminding you to follow us on Facebook. And you know what? While you're at it, you should subscribe to our podcast through iTunes. That's the, by far the easiest way to listen to us. And automatically, every time we get a new episode, boop, it'll appear right on your phone. So make sure you subscribe to us. And while you're at it, give us a nice, juicy five-star review. Tess is all tied up uh, at this, like, I don't know, house, I guess. Uh, it's all night vision again. This is just like the opening. And Andrew Jackson is now explaining to Tess his motivations for this whole thing. So he's clearly one of the hunters. Mm-hmm. He, you know, she's like, he'll stop you. And he's like, he's not a he. It's, he's an it. At this point of the episode, I had some, like, weird questions. Like, Joe Dawson is not in this episode. No. And this is... We'll see uh, in an episode or two from now. We watched the episode "The Zone," in which Joe is in. Yeah, it's it's so it's insane, and he has no business being in that episode. But he should absolutely be in this episode that deals with hunters. So, like, I don't know, and they don't mention uh, like Horton doesn't come up at all. Mm -mm. I thought Horton was kind of the one that was orchestrating all these rogue watchers. Yeah, it would have been nice just even a throwaway line mentioning like I'm going to carry on what he did. Like if somebody else was taking up horton's quest it's really weird also at this point like we have met like no good watchers at all like we've met joe we've met yeah. joe and, jo- and, and we've sort and of met josh and we don't yeah. really know what josh josh is, <laughs> josh is but uh if i was kia yeah uh if i was duncan i would absolutely not trust joe at all well like, he still doesn't i guess not fair. but yeah. i i mean i think i think the show needs to kind of show some better watch like good good mm-hmm. watchers and work on that relationship a little bit uh yeah because at this point it is nothing but like even as the viewer i think i'm like what's the deal like i don't know if i trust joe either i don't know like i would think he was a bad guy yeah that this is all some ruse but yeah i I wish there was like some nod to horton or something here yeah well he mentions that there's like he that these people are still out there Mm -hmm. right because he says you know my friends would say i'm like a hero for right for for killing this guy but not me. I just get off on it. <laughs> yeah. Right. This guy gets his jollies from this whole spiel of entrapping immortals and their lovers. Yeah. Which, and also, we don't know what happened to his girlfriend. Like, right. Yeah. And I shudder him? to think based on just how creepy this guy is. Yeah. Yeah. Bad news. Tess ends up calling Duncan. Like, there's a ransom call, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, and she's like, it's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. Uh, Rest in peace. <laughs> Rest in peace, voice of Admiral Akbar. Oh, that's right. He died passed recently. away recently. Yeah. yeah. Well, that really bumps me out. Yeah. <laughs> Does it? He also did the. He also did the voice of Bib Fortuna, which I didn't know. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Ah, the Java no bother. <laughs> he is no Jedi. <laughs> Yikes! So zeist. One of my yeah. One of my favorite scenes now happens when when Tess calls Duncan to warn him it's a trap and to tell him about like this whole thing. Like I'm being held hostage or whatever richie finds her earring on the floor and it's like look duncan a clue this is the earring she was wearing when she got kidnapped and it's like what like first off that's not a clue like what was his what was this he's so excited he's like a little kid he's like look i found it like this will help and it's like what are you talking how is that going to help anything unless richie is thinking ahead that hey you should take this to a psychic to see what kind of clues this will bring like this is so nuts it's so dumb this entire thing is basically 
Duncan McLeod kid detective. <laughs> like, it makes no sense because his entire plan, again, he knows Joe Dawson and he knows that there's a group of mortals that might be out to get him. And rather than trying to contact this queer lead and, I don't know, doing some real legwork, he decides that he wants to go to, like, a magic woman? Like, that's his plan. It's like, oh, this this person said something ominous before she was kidnapped this must be it and also like the stakes are fairly low i feel like because it's not like duncan needs to beat the clock or anything like Mm -hmm. tess is being held because they want duncan like unless duncan's worried about them like legitimately killing her like very soon like which i think is a perfect no which is fair but i mean like they are going to let him know where they are well but that's i don't know a structural problem with this episode yeah because Duncan goes through a lot of steps, which I'm sure we will discuss in excruciating detail, to find where they are. And right as he does, like, simultaneously, this guy's like, hey, why don't you come to exactly where I am? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it it all just kind of made it moot. Like, all the the weird detective work he did didn't matter. Duncan's advantage is, like, written out of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Encyclopedia McCloud. Yeah. Which, I mean... (laughs) As a, as a tactician, I get why Duncan wants to kind of get the drop on this person right. and find out where he is. But then the writers undo that yeah. completely. Because that would have been better if he got yeah. to them before this guy was ready for him. Right. This this felt like one of those things where it's like almost yada, yada, yada in between everything. Where it's yeah. like, this is exactly what's going to happen. And we are going to show little snippets in between, but they don't affect the ending. Right. Like, none of the ste- intermediate steps that are taken to solve the kidnapping or Tessa's attempts to escape ultimately affect the resolution of the episode. Is this right. a really meta episode? Because the episode structure... Metasode? Yeah. <laughs> the episode structure is... Uh, is demonstrating how fatalistic the plot is. Oh, oh. I do not think they thought about that. <laughs> I don't think so either, but that's kind of accurate. <laughs> I feel like they, they just scheduled Jim Burns' schedule wrong and was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. we can't use him on this episode, so we have to like cook up this whole side thing. Yeah. So, by the way, additional magic is real. Tracy Lords is a pornographic psychic and... <laughs> The psychic stuff. I've, I have more jokes about this. I'm not going to make them. <laughs> the psychic stuff doesn't bother me for some reason. Really? I mean, the plot points you guys are bringing up, which for, somehow I didn't think of when I watched the episode, <laughs> do bother me that Joe isn't involved in this at all. I, I, it did put me off that Horton is never mentioned, but the psychic stuff doesn't bother me for some reason. It, it doesn't bother me if handled differently. Hmm. Sure. It's so throwaway, and it's such a yeah. minor part of what this show is. Mm-hmm. And it's like Greta, porn psychic, gives Mac his number. Like, why isn't he always going back to her? Like, Greta, that bugged magic. Me. It's yeah, like, that Greta, bugged me. we know magic is straight up goddamn real. Help me. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can solve every p- problem I have more effectively than my computer hacking skills. So. Yeah. I was actually wondering watching this, do you think at any point they considered having Tracy Lords as a regular? It's possible. Because I wondered the same thing. Well, it's they like, set it oh. up that she's going to be. Yeah. And that it never, she never comes back. No. Right? So I was kind of wondering if she was supposed to be like maybe a new love interest or something because she had some name recognition and could mm. maybe kind of help with the plot a little bit. Mm. It, she comes back for the darkness too. Executions on butt row. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Sorry. Is that too much? That's awesome. Butt row. Uh, <laughs> I feel like this show needs a like somebody that wrote on like Columbo or something mm-hmm. like <laughs> no like like in in we I think, keep trying to introduce these like kind of detective elements. Yeah, these yeah. mystery and detective-y sort of things, but 
it seems like they're always like kind of missing the mark. Like right. they need like someone that's like really steeped in like a procedural mm-hmm. television to be writing some of these mysteries because yeah. I think that's like the weakest part of this episode. Like this could be great if the mystery was yeah. at least a mystery, or just if Columbo was just in the episode. <laughs> oh, Colum- I love that. Columbo is Andrew Jackson. If Columbo I, was uh, on just the show, doing his thing because I uh, <laughs> get both- off on it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, one more By- thing. I'm turning the lights off. <laughs> <laughs> Like John S. Morgan Stern. <laughs> That's the author of The Princess Bride. Oh, I yeah. could see you getting very uh, too excited. <laughs> uh, so Duncan gets some clues from Tracy Lords. Which, again, let me just complain about how dark this entire scene is. They're in like some bar, like pool hall kind of thing, and it's all backlit, yeah. and you can't see anybody's face. Yeah, this might as well be shot in silhouette. Yeah, it's I think like, it basically was. It's yeah. crazy, yeah. It's insane. And it's like, I know the episode is called The Darkness, but come on. <laughs> well, they, they go through this whole back and Darkness forth. Darkness 3, come on. <laughs> it's gonna keep going just so you know well like they they have this whole it back and forth interaction which it repeats at least two more times in the episode where duncan's like come on hold the earring tell me what you see no i don't want to do it no i don't want to do it okay what'd you see oh i don't know it it was nothing just go into detail no i don't want to okay just tell me something okay i saw this 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 and this oh wait those are all really important like So let's talk about this really important thing she sees during this vision. This the link between these two things is mind blowing. So she sees some animals, animal heads, animal heads on a wall. Yeah. That's the clue, mm-hmm. the raging hard clue she gets. A raging bull. We then cut to a taxidermy store, mm-hmm. and there's some funny dialogue here. Yeah, the guy's I like, love this taxidermy man. Yeah, he's, <laughs> great. he's like, oh, nope, they, they, ain't, him. <laughs> they ain't killing animals like they used to. And Duncan's <laughs> like, that's too bad, isn't it? Like, it's really great. <laughs> What's he kill? Birds or beasts? <laughs> Darkness four. Birds or beasts? Oh, man. <laughs> so Duncan mm. is looking for a tall blonde, mm. which I guess was also mentioned in her vision, right? And so he goes to a taxidermy store, and it's like, have you seen a tall blonde? It's like yeah. this is so paper thin. It's crazy. Yep. But, but I, like, I I feel like this could have been again if they want to do this psychic thing, like. I actually don't think this is a terrible plan because how many people honestly go to taxidermists? Right. Like, that is actually a fair point. Like, mm-hmm. Although these... this does make the leap that he got those done, like, recently and it wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, that sure. he was an active participant but, in like, getting animals a, yeah. taxidermy. There's right? a chance, though. Yeah, sure. yeah. But there is, like, at least something. Yes. The thing that bothers me about it is that it works in quotes right. because he just notices that he's being followed like by the same guy that yeah yeah the diversion who yeah. already is a professional watcher and is clearly yeah. terrible is, at is it. is he a watcher oh we don't, not, know. I don't I know i get i think i think we're supposed to assume yeah. so but i don't it's never expressly said i don't think right although does he get spotted on purpose because they're trying to lure duncan back it could be i no, don't I, think I'm so yeah sure. i don't know to what because well, he to doesn't what have his partner yeah because he either. also doesn't have like yeah. a good escape plan as we'll yeah find out. as he gets smoked by mac but yeah Scott, you are right this entire scene is undone by the fact that like every bit of work duncan mcleod kid detective does mm-hmm. gets completely just like undone just deus ex machina by the plot yeah. like it's yeah. like nope now this happens yep like nothing there's no seamless thread it's like and now this and now this yeah and now this it's duncan like, could have just been at the grocery store and spotted this guy spying on him and right it would have had the same conclusion yep yeah, yeah it's so, so like silly. there's this entire plot point of look at the searing look at my clue nothing yeah but uh, i thought this chase was actually this chase fun. Was this is good great yeah, yeah this like, is a good one this is really good stunt work like 
And like Kyle said, it like kind of transcends a lot of the similar stunt work we've seen in mm-hmm. this show. Like it, this is a good foot chase. Yeah, it was shot well. Like yeah. it, it had some. It's exciting. Yeah, yeah. this uh, chase sadly has a, a sad end for. Uh, yeah, and a sad under the fire escape shot. Yeah. <laughs> I they have the, this, they're running up this fire escape, and it's probably the least interesting shot in this episode mm-hmm. because all you can see is just like obviously you know a standard fire escape is like these metal grates mm-hmm. that are only semi translucent, <laughs> like you can only kind of see yeah. through them. So you just see feet kind of <laughs> like clacking out as they go up the steps, and it's again really dark, and it's like what is the point of these shots? <laughs> these are so uninteresting. Uh... Like, I don't know. I don't have a lot of issues with the way connective tissue in this episode work. So Duncan captures this guy at the uh, the top of the fire mm-hmm. escape, and the guy tries to stab him, but Duncan yeah. like pushes him off him, yeah. and the railing breaks on the fire escape, and this guy falls to his death. Yeah. Womp womp. They ran through a super crowded area, and for some reason, now this area is not crowded, <laughs> but like a bunch of people just saw Mac chasing this man, and now he's dead in the middle of the street. So That's true. We'll leave that I mean, there. Yeah, we'll just leave that there. We'll just and throw at, that under the rug. At the very least, they have one concrete eyewitness, the taxidermist, who oh, yeah. saw Mac run out of his store to chase this guy who was walking into his store. Yeah, and it couldn't have been that far away. They couldn't yeah. have run for that long. Right. <laughs> Very good point. So, just, so this whole thing's a little odd. It's like, yep. oh. Yeah. So in the next scene, this is actually, this next scene, which I like a lot, is cut in the U.S. version, uh, which really? is really strange because this, this deals with, I think, you know, this is the clip we actually played at the uh, the top of the episode. This uh, may be the most important part of the episode. Yeah, this might be like kind of the emotional core of the episode is in this scene so richie shows up at the park and brings duncan a file or what something. is in this file well, yeah yeah Ugh. yeah who knows we're not sure yeah. uh, but i guess richie was sent on some mission to get this file he just brings back the quentin barnes file which is <laughs> equally as useless <laughs> so then this is my favorite part of this interaction is you want some soda <laughs> richie's like hey duncan what's up and duncan's like i could i just killed somebody that could have led us to test and he's like <laughs> He's like, it's crazy you're getting married, right? Like, <laughs> like, what? That's not the next question. Also, that's not even like he has like this bro down hoedown with Mac on this yeah. like in this park, and it's like I don't think this is the sort of conversation you should, you should be having when his fiance is kidnapped. Like, yeah. let's save it, Richie. Did you just skip over the part where Duncan's <laughs> like, I just killed somebody? It, it, like, this gets brought up like two or three times in this conversation. Like, I just killed somebody, and Rich seems completely unfazed by like, wait, what? Like. Who died? Like, how how crazy is this shit getting? Yep. Yeah, but that being said, the substance of it is pretty good. Oh, yeah. No, this is a good we thing. say as we tease the crap out of it. <laughs> yeah, Duncan talks about the, uh, you know, the immortal curse of having to lose everyone mm-hmm. you love. So Yeah, and, but Tessa makes him feel young. Yeah, and that's, that's pretty, pretty nice. Yeah. And I think that's evident through what we've seen of Mac and Tess. Yeah. They have a good good chemistry totally but yeah this this file contributes nothing to the story nope at all nope we'll see it again too and it's i just what's supposed to be in it (laughs) (laughs) so then cut back to uh andrew jackson's presidential manor and uh (laughs) the white house i guess is what that's called (laughs) in some circles (laughs) and he finds out billy's dead billy no this guy's name is billy <laughs> this guy's name is Billy. Uh, so yeah, he's not too happy, and then he slaps Tess and calls her the B word. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. This guy's that word gets a lot of traction on this it show. Does. <laughs> and I mostly just don't like the. I don't have a problem with the word itself. Like it's used in the most objectionable way possible for 
that word. Yeah. Right. And I say the this, guy who like, said come orgy three <laughs> times in the source of this episode, but like, no, it's used in the most degrading way possible. Like, it's not used as like a swear word, like son of a bitch. Like, it's right. used like in a way to degrade a particular woman. Yeah. Like, and he that's has her tied upsetting. up. He slaps her. Like, he yeah. kind of is touchy. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's weird. Also, I think in this season we might be four to four for four. I think they might have used that word. In every episode, wow. in that manner, in the season, <laughs> maybe weird. not in the hunters, but mm. I think in all the other ones. Anyway, so Duncan's back at the antique store, and he's still flipping through that stupid file that Richie gave him. Yeah, Tracy Lords, I guess, shows up wearing some crazy Moo Moo outfit. Yeah, it's it was, amazing. My, <laughs> I trailed off in the middle of this thought, but it just says Greta is the most porn. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that outfit is nuts. She gives that whole spiel again where she's like, I want to help because because I can't sleep. But I also don't want to help you, and I haven't really seen anything in this vision, but blah, blah, blah. And it's like she sees stuff and then won't elaborate on it. Just tell him what you saw. Like, Yeah, so she ends up describing her vision, which I thought was comical. She was like, and then it all just went black, but like... But blacker. So, like, no, she's like, so the vision ended, and she's like, no, like, the in the vision, it goes black. Duncan's like, what color are the walls? And she's like, black is black. And I was like, oh, that's another one of her movies. movies yeah, <laughs> Darkness 5, black is black. <laughs> we find out that she sees that it's like an old Tudor house. Mm-hmm. And so that's like the clue, of course. Yeah, it's was ridiculous. that it's a Tudor house with stained glass windows. Or as they say the... several times on this episode, colored glass? Colored glass. Yeah, not stained. Col- yeah, it's... I've never heard that Is that, that an before. idiot? Like a... Uh, an idiom or something that I'm not familiar with. Why like, did you just say stained glass? Yeah, that, that stuck out as weird to me. I yeah. don't know. Is Maybe that I'm like, crazy? I don't know. Could that be a regional thing? Yeah, that's Maybe. what I'm. Yeah, that's in what I'm Canada, wondering. is it oh, more commonly yeah. referred to as colored than stained? Hmm. It bothered me. <laughs> <laughs> so, did it bother you as much as the vision? Vision, which is what I call like her <laughs> her moments where she's like, it's, it's so like fuzzy and puzzling and like I kind of liked the visions. You like the vision? I, I didn't like them because yeah. I felt like I thought it was were, like, stylized creepy. so much that it was just like she's having a vision. But like as a viewer, I got no information from the vision. Like it was just a bunch of like streaky light and like you know what I mean, like. Yeah. I, I couldn't garner any clues from the, the the vision itself. Like I don't even remember seeing animal heads much in the uh, the yeah. one vision. I was like, I don't know what this is. I, I liked them. I hmm. liked them. I don't know. Tracy Lords is, I guess, now invested in this thing. She's like, I can't stop thinking about it. So she writes her phone number down on a book of matches, and it's like, call me to let me know what's going on, so I can like, I guess, mm-hmm. rest easy. Uh, so that that will become important later in the episode. Also, spoiler alert: Mac never calls her back. Yep. Thanks a lot, Mac. <laughs> because well, he can't. Right. Do do we want to? We skipped over her touching his lifeline. Who touching his lifeline? That's another one of her movies. <laughs> Darkness six. Touch my lifeline. <laughs> but she like. I thought this was interesting. She grabs his palm and like sees everything. Yeah. It's just kind of like what the fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like that. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that was a cool bit. My my grandparents have the gift, but I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> so Kyle, what happens with Tess next? So Tessa finally, after a season and a third, <laughs> does something heroic, finally, like shows some actual agency, which is exactly what this character needed. Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah, I, I'm a little confused as to exactly what she does, though. 
because she somehow uses a fork to like rig the door closed. And yeah. I just was not I I just didn't quite get it. I got the impression that the door's locked, so she jams like the keyhole. So when he, he can't like easily unlock the door and it forces oh, it's the him keyhole that she messes. And it yeah. forces him to like bust down the door. So then he busts through and is like unsteady and she's there waiting and smashes him with a chair, which is awesome. Which yeah. explodes. Yeah, yeah. This is really cool. Yeah, Tessa is actually Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah. <laughs> and then she takes him down to his ring <laughs> and like Oh yeah, Jackson. Let's make a corrupt bargain. <laughs> that was actually John Quincy Adams, whatever. Uh so Tess makes a heroic escape, but mm-hmm. is foiled by the fact that I guess she freaks somebody out. Yeah, some some jerk in like a town car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he drives it's like by woman in obvious distress. She's screaming like crazy, and he's like, "Ah, what are you drunk?" <laughs> and he yeah. just drives away. Yeah. Also, then like a suburban bucolic looking neighborhood yeah. like yeah that ra- and it raises no alarm well this mansion is the same mansion that's in uh, uh a bunch of episodes like yeah a million episodes most notably what's the one with vanity oh yeah that might be at this place the uh revenge is sweet yeah, yeah. revenge is sweet deadly medicine like they, they use they this uh, the exterior for yeah. um there's that time when duncan buys that sword in yeah. uh oh the one with uh, felice martin yeah he the goes to, like, a, yeah he goes to like the sword auction or whatever yeah. and that's at, at this house yep <laughs> it's pretty good also at, at back at the antique store duncan is back at his master hacker skills again yeah. you know what i'm actually gonna do a rare speaking in defense of this plan okay i feel like for once in this episode this is at least a sane plan yeah you know what like and honestly i feel like the internet could solve this problem maybe today today yeah maybe not then but like this is at least an internet capable problem it's like i'm gonna look for historical homes in the city because the stained glass window and use that to create a, a list of possible locations. Yeah. yeah. So I at least thought, like, it's insane that he gets this from, like, porno vision, but, like, <laughs> it's at least a reasonable clue. Sure. He finds a list of houses, I guess. I but guess then he goes to check them out. And he, then... like, leaves to check them out, and then Richie just gets a phone call from Andrew Jackson. It's like, and... tell, tell, tell him to meet me here. Yeah. <laughs> Again, thus showing the futile nature <laughs> of Duncan's entire quest. Yep. So then, and this is before cell phones, so I guess Richie just can't call Duncan and say, oh, he's here. Right. So Richie hops on his hog. (laughs) Hightails it down to 3490 Briarcliff Street. Yep. (laughs) I'm glad you wrote that down, too. The darkness, 3490 Briar Street. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Kyle, it's 1993, and I feel like... I'm not as comfortable as I should be. What should I do? You should buy the Highlander Don't Lose Your Head boxer shorts. Look at... <laughs> oh, wait a minute. <laughs> the Darkness 12 Don't Lose Your Head. <laughs> I'm worried about putting these boxers on. <laughs> yeah. Look and feel immortal in the original Highlander boxer made, of U- made in USA of 100% cotton. Perfect gift for yourself or that special person. Royalty purple or McLeod teal. What? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Also, just to be clear about what these boxers look like, it appears that the sword hilt and like the sword like wraps around your body, and the point of the sword <laughs> is pointed directly at your junk, and it says 
don't lose your head. <laughs> so I'm not sure if the this... implication is that you are going to be castrated by the McLeod sword or if you're going to use your peen as a sword, <laughs> like as if it is a weapon that you're going to use to decapitate another. I just don't know. Somebody well, had a fun time designing these undershorts and writing that. Well, Kyle, you've had me sold. How much do they cost? Uh, well, they are $19.95. And what to be a clear, deal. That's so expensive. <laughs> for, a, for a pair of novelty boxer shorts. <laughs> this is 1993 money, too. Yeah. Actually, to be clear, there are, in fact, two different versions. Uh, the font is a slightly different color. <laughs> And one of them, instead of saying, don't lose your head next to your peen, says there can be only one. Which mm. might imply other weird things about your testicles. Yeah. <laughs> I like to assume. <laughs> Darkness 13 <laughs> might imply weird stuff about your testicles. Ah. Uh, so then uh, Richie's going to go into the house, but then who pops out of the bushes? Mac! Mac attack. Mac attack. He gets a Mac attack. And he's like, all right, you stay out here. I don't want to have to worry about both of you in there. Right. Richie, Which he doesn't really need to do. So Duncan goes in to save Tess. Yeah. Richie doesn't listen and right. follows and then gets to instantly, no end. instantly right. knocked out. So it's like the, the point he of him being bopped on the head. Yeah. So, again, no consequences at nope. all. This, like, this whole thread means nothing. Unlike uh, yeah. like a similar episode was when Tess and Duncan in, uh, what was it, Deadly Medicine, go to save Randy McFarlane. Mm -hmm. Duncan's like, you stay outside. I'm going to take care of this. Tess does not listen, comes inside, and ends up kind of helping out like a yeah. little bit. Like It's like, oh, like at least like it's good she didn't listen because she came and yeah. helped save the day. It's like, that's what this should be. Like, Richie should not have listened and kind of, you know. Maybe been Duncan's saving grace here. Well, or the opposite. I would have been fine if it was the opposite as well. Oh, if right. Duncan, yeah, if, if it was plot consequential. Instead, right. he yeah. just goes in, gets knocked out, and then Duncan Nothing. saves the day, irrespective yeah. of him not listening. Right. And it's later like, oh, what are you, what are you doing here? Yeah. Oh, just getting beat up for no reason. <laughs> and then the other thing, just like there's no tactical advantage to Richie coming in. There's no tactical advantage to Tessa's escape attempt. There's no tactical advantage to Duncan solving this mystery before the guy called. Right. Like, all three of those things are utterly inconsequential to their, their final confrontation. So, like, I kind of wish that Duncan had been able to turn the tables on him in some way. Or yeah. between Richie invading and Tessa's escape attempt, maybe this guy had to adjust his plan. And that gives, you know, helps Mac figure out how to defeat this darkness strategy. Right. I don't know. Instead, it was all just, well, we knew this was coming anyway. Right. It's well, a good thing no yeah. immortals are smokers because <laughs> yeah. or we'd like, be in trouble. Or like, we have to have Richie in this scene. We have to give him something to do. Which like, they failed to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's really it's confusing. Really, it's really strange. So, Duncan confronts Andrew Jackson. Mm -hmm. We get the night vision fight. But yep. then Duncan re remembers he's got these matches in his pocket from Tracy Lord, so he lights right. them. How does he light them? He, he throws, throws them, them in the, air, the air, air in pitch blackness. He can't see anything, but somehow he can yeah. manage this. Well, and, he's that good. Yeah, I guess. Well, yeah. also, he's doing much better than poor old Jim. Oh, yeah. The oh, first yeah. Time. Like, yeah. He's actually able to kind of stave this guy off a little bit yeah. and like can kind of hear him and is you know not completely debilitated he, by this. Although he does get stabbed in the leg. Yeah, right? yeah. he gets stabbed yeah. in the leg. But he's like he's kind of holding his own. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is a lot more believable to me of how yeah. this would go right. when you're dealing with a 
centuries old master swordsman like <laughs> that they could at least do a little something yeah. i don't know i bought into duncan's ability to do this and it's cool yeah 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 it's that's cool. nice a lot it's yeah. cool yeah. yeah but he like strikes all of the matches like he like cuts right on like <laughs> where all the match heads are i thought it was awesome so this light i guess blinds andrew mm-hmm. jackson uh because he's wearing the night vision and it's yeah. so bright and also lets duncan see him yep uh, so then duncan runs him through with his sword yep promptly very, yeah. very promptly darkness seven promptly uh, run through <laughs> sword fight <laughs> uh so this guy's dead, so then Dun- Duncan proceeds to go rescue Tess. Uh, what he's he, chained up. Yeah, what he rescues Tess, he's just like, stand back. And then he just like touches his sword that, to the chain. That is hilarious. <laughs> he's like, ding, yeah, and it just and falls it, like, away. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. It's like, Tess, how'd you not get away? Those are made of tissue paper. <laughs> and then Richie comes in, he's like, oh, by the way, I'm okay too. <laughs> and it's like, no one cares, Richie, yeah. at all. So Richie shows up. He's like, oh, you guys didn't miss me or whatever, or whatever it is. Uh, so Duncan's like, I thought I told you to stay outside, Richie. And Richie's like, so sue me. It's like, <laughs> this line has come up again. Then he flips over some tires. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're just spoiler alert, because I know this is the spoiler you're all on pins and needles about. The phrase so sue me is used an inordinate number of times in this show. <laughs> Darkness 8, so sue me. <laughs> <laughs> So Mac's going to do some investigating on what this guy's all about. And he sends uh, Tess and Richie out to the car. And yeah, he'll follow like, Go on home. Yeah. Richie's motorcycle. And spoiler alert, outside it's dark again. More <laughs> darkness. You still can't see anything. Yeah. Like, did they not have the budget for a spotlight? Like, this is driving me nuts. Yeah. <laughs> wow. No, like, it's an entire episode. It's like, eh, nobody cares about seeing the actors' faces, right? Well, they prepared you, Kyle, be- with the title. <laughs> <laughs> when they're outside, they're getting ready to get in the car, and mm-hmm. somebody just decides, walks up, just walks up, and yeah. is going to rob him at yeah. gunpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like a meth head. It looks like. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like something's wrong with this guy. So Richie doesn't have anything because yeah. he's Richie. Yeah, <laughs> and Tess, of course, doesn't have her purse. All she has is maybe en- one earring and a yeah. ring, maybe. Yeah, and she's like, "Take this," and then we get the B word again. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, directed right at her. And this guy loses it and just fucking pops him. Yep. Yeah, both of them. Both of them. Yeah. Done. And Mac hears it and runs out. And has the most subdued Mac reaction ever. Yeah. Like, when Darius dies, oh, he yeah. is, like, <sighs> screaming and clenching his teeth and, like, yelling all his frustrations with the human condition to the sky. Yeah. And here he's just like, oh. So, <laughs> she's dead. Oh, yeah. They're, they both are. Host. Yeah. They're dead. Dead. Uh, but then right before the commercial break, Richie's eyes open. Yeah. Ooh. Uh-oh. What's that mean? So there's a lot to talk about here. Yeah. I dare say. We get a crazy montage. Yeah. Dust in the wind. And I was torn when I was watching this again. I was like, oh, like, you know, normally this would be Queens who wants to live forever. Mm-hmm. I guess they would play here. I guess I'm a little, like, I, I like Dust in the Wind. It's a fine song. Uh, yeah. I think I'm a little glad they've, like, broadened the musical universe like me too you know what i mean i don't know i feel like you can maybe get a little bogged down in the like princess universe mm-hmm. who wants to live forever it's nice that the show's kind of opened up a little bit I, I like this yeah i like this montage i do too and i bought this song off of itunes <laughs> did you really i did wow <laughs> i mean wow. i'm not a big kansas fan but i like this song i saw kansas a couple years ago really? at a fourth of Cam- july camden waterfront yeah i saw him it was a free fourth of july it? show it was good yeah yeah it was raining awesome. uh so i just no, stood in the rain good. and 
listened to this song and thought about Tess. The last band I saw there was uh, Los Lobos. Oh! I like Los Lobos. Yeah, they're good. good. This is a really random offshoot, but (laughs) go listen to some Los Lobos. (laughs) They played on South Street last year. Did they? The the Spring Festival. Ooh. Mm. That's going to be in two weeks, folks. (laughs) Yes. So... Uh. <laughs> it is. You're right. Yeah. Did Mac always know that Richie was immortal? Didn't they kind of set this up in the first episode? They do. It's kind so, of like somebody's going to have to take care of the boy. Yeah, yeah, someone needs to watch after him, and Duncan's like, I'll, I'll handle it. So I think it recontextualizes that original scene, and it's yeah. like, oh, they must have known something. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I get the impression he always knew. Yeah. Yeah, because like in the first thing, it's like, oh, he's just going to be like your Igor. Right, yeah. like he's, he's going to be your mortal lackey, yeah, <laughs> serving the mighty Dracula, <laughs> like, <laughs> Master. I fixed the antique store. <laughs> I sharpened your sword, Master. <laughs> Darkness nine. I sharpened sharpened your sword, <laughs> Master. <laughs> sword sharpeners. <laughs> but yeah, like Max, kind of looking around at. And there's like flashback scenes to all of their little coffee interactions. Yeah. And like and it's it's a sweet like little, it's a sweet montage. Yeah. I miss Tess now. It's like, oh, too yeah. bad. So Duncan goes outside. It's real sad. And he throws keys to Richie and he's like, sell it. What is he talking about? The car? The car. That's what I thought at first. But then I'm now thinking, was he actually talking about the antique store? Because the, I was... The antique store kind of disappears after this. And is he like, also, I don't trust Richie, Richie to sell a car, let alone an antique store. I would trust him to sell a car. We, saw, not trust him we saw him yeah. sell cars in what oh, was yeah, that he's, episode? He's car sales oh, yeah. Was yeah. that Deadly Medicine? Revenge is sweet. Oh, Revenge is sweet. sweet right. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And he was not good at that. No. <laughs> I would not trust Richie to do a real estate deal. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's much, what are they doing all those antiques? Good question. Well, he says sell it and he throws in the keys, but then they're walking toward the car. Yeah. So, kind of confusing. Sure. Hmm. And they're both in like their black mourning clothes. Yeah. He's like, You're one of us now, Richie. Yeah. And that's like the sad. And they yeah, slow mo so. walk walk away. It's like reminiscent of the Hulk. Yeah, <laughs> Doctor David Banner. So let's talk about some stuff in this episode. One thing yeah. that bugged me a lot early on was in the one of the I guess the very first like uh, psychic visions Vision, we get. We get a like gunshot. I really wish that was not present because I wish it was like. I mean, maybe it did, if, if this show did want to embrace some sort of like fate thing, it's like maybe Duncan did save her from that fate, but like. She's still destined to die, and so it's like by saving her then, she ended up just dying later. Uh, I wish that was kind of more of a surprise, because I thought that kind of ruined the end a little bit. Yeah, because we never see this guy with a gun. Yeah. there's. It doesn't really seem like this guy's going to be the one to shoot her. Yeah. So that's odd. I kind, I kind of just wish that ending was maybe not telegraphed earlier in the episode. It's subtle, and I don't think I would have noticed it on first watching this at all. But I think it is always in mainstream TV shows. That's why like Game of Thrones is so popular, because the treatment of main characters is somewhat brutal. I don't think you ever expect in no. this show for a main character to die. That's main so characters true. feel very safe. Like I always felt like in every episode, Tessa has like a lot of plot armor. Mm-hmm. on her you know she's yeah. not going anywhere so i think it is a it is fairly legitimately shocking that she does in fact die it feels a little cheap that it's like a random act of violence like some tweaker kills her so i was going to ask you about that like how do how do we feel about her not dying i guess like as part of this is kind of just random this is yeah has I, nothing to do with the plot <laughs> like i feel like i would have bought it more if it was something like what you had said like oh like duncan changes the the instance of it but it's like final destination yeah or something like that like death catches up with her because they changed it that might have been a little more 
interesting because otherwise, again, just another instance of nothing anyone does matters in this episode. Yeah, or if maybe there was a theme of like chance or randomness, mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't seem to like especially that like actually that seems to be at odds with this episode which is all about fate uh, right if they had played up kind of the randomness thing more i think i would have appreciated how that kind of all ties these themes together uh i read i read an article and the writers some of the writers from this season were like we thought a plot reason for her dying would seem more cheap because we kind of wanted to focus on in real life like stuff like this happens yeah like, which i don't know if i agree with or not I appreciate I, the sentiment of what they're trying to do is that, yeah. you know, this stuff does happen day to day to people everywhere. Sure. So. But I mean, it's a TV show. Yeah. Is the other yeah. part of that. Oh, and just also just the notion that Mac is constantly burying people. Most of the time he's not burying them because of the game. He's burying them because they're mortal and he's not. Right. So right. I guess there's there is something to it. Still, I feel like if you're going to play the, the chip of a main character dying, I'd like to count for more. Like, I'd like to see that as a you know, a piece on the board in a larger story rather than a random act of violence. And you know what else is interesting, too? I was wondering at one point, at what point did they, the the writers know they wanted to kill her off? Like, I I, I imagine they knew that she was going to leave the show. Yeah. But I was wondering, we we, we talked in the, the past couple episodes, like two episodes in a row, Tess is like, I don't know why I'm with this guy. Like, this is terrible. Like, he's yeah. always, you know what I mean? Like, she seems to be really questioning things hard. Sure. And I'm wondering if they were, also planning those things there if they didn't know they were going to kill her off to be like oh let's start like making her really question this relationship and maybe she's just going to decide to leave well, I yeah, read- which almost would have made more sense because she just literally got kidnapped yeah again because of him like, like final this, straw like, yeah like this game is literally ruining her life and maybe she just can't take it now right like, well i read something else and they said they decided they had to kill her because they didn't think it would work her just saying, all right, I'm leaving. The relationship they set up with those characters is, like, too strong where right. they didn't think it'd be believable for her. But you bring up a good point where if she's literally being kidnapped all the time, I mean, that's pretty significant trauma. Yeah. How many times has she been kidnapped so far, too? So many, right? <laughs> Like, so many. Yeah. yeah. She's like Princess Toadstool. Yeah, she is. <laughs> But, I mean, that that's something they thought of, and they thought it wouldn't ring true or something. Mm. Um, well, why don't we hear a little bit from uh, Bill Panzer and David Abramowitz on this episode. So we had discovered that Tessa Alexandra Vandernoot did not want to do more than a few shows in season two. That she wanted to go back to Belgium or Paris and her new husband, boyfriend, family, whatever. And after I went into mourning, we uh, had her rewrite her out, which was um, uh, troublesome. Um, And um, I felt like a jilted lover, to tell you the truth. She was popular. She was beautiful. And she she was a wonderful actress. They were great together. Yep, they were. Heat. But, um, you know, I think that for her, I think guess she looked at the part and looked at her career and said, you Darkness know, 10. Um, Heat <laughs> this show is about Duncan McLeod of the Clan McLeod. He is the Highlander. It's not the Highlander and Tessa. And I think a small part of her, being a really strong actress, wanted to play a more um, aggressive part in the show. And sadly, the nature of the beast was that couldn't happen. And she made a decision. That was always that was also the case in the movies. It was always 
an issue of as wonderful as the women were was how how do you have the woman be something other than uh, a victim, a hostage, all the things that when you're dealing with an immortal hero, it's not so easy. Right, week after, and especially week after week after week after week, it becomes difficult. So she made a choice and uh, we made it work, which was um, a bit heartbreaking. Um, I wanted to bring up two things. I think this is interesting, what they talk about. One, I'm a little surprised that David Abramowitz was bummed out that she wanted to leave because she doesn't do too much in the show, as we know. So, like, the, he, he, I think, was one of the big reasons that Randy McFarlane leaves the show. I, I, I guess I would have expected him to be like, you know what? I think this character's run its course. Let's explore new territory. I'm a little surprised that uh, I'm curious what stories he would have wanted to tell with Tess. Well, I also just get the impression from doing this that maybe they already had a lot on the board that they then needed to change. Like, I sure. imagine that's yeah. I imagine her decision to leave was very, if nothing else, disruptive. That's true. Because even if you wanted to get even if this character was eventually going to run its course, I don't feel like you're necessarily there yet. Hmm. I agree. Sure. It's like an opportunity to change up the show. But one that you wouldn't might not necessarily take in this specific moment right yeah. i also think everybody just liked her and they might have been said that they just don't get to work with her every mm -hmm. day that's true yeah yeah you, i think she works well on the, i mean i think she's good on the show and everything and, and the sparks fly with with richie ryan with richie yeah ryan. that's right i mean she's a good actress i like her character it's fine and everything i like their relationship but it is kind of limiting for the show at least how they wrote her anyway well that was gonna be my next point was that it's funny that David Abramowitz and Bill Panzer acknowledge the fact that there's nothing for her to do except be a hostage. And they also even acknowledge that that's a problem in the movies. Like, they are yeah. completely aware of the role of women in this show and movie. Like, and they're like, yeah, they're just there to act as kind of bait for the villain, you know, or like to, to motivate the male protagonist along. This is confusing. And it's like, hold on, you're acknowledging that. So, and he's like, ah, there's nothing you can do. It's like, write it different. I don't know. Yeah, like, I, there's plenty of stuff <laughs> to move the character along. So, that's confusing. It is a little odd. It might have been uh, kind of a focus question. Like, I wonder if there was some reason they felt like they couldn't give her a larger role. Mm. I don't know what that reason could be but it's almost an it's from hearing them talk it's like an assumption baked into it it's like that her role must be limited within the confines of the show and i just wonder what that core where that core assumption comes from is yeah. it like a like a screen time thing is it just because of the nature of the show it's like no it has to be mac 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 all the time right. i'm just a little unclear because that does seem kind of baked into their answer yeah. and also not to it, maybe to get away from this being a an issue with like female characters, but like Richie is also completely not. I mean, like he's has the same problem. Tess does. Oh, like, sure. He, and he's it's, very underutilized. And it's it's weird because they pair up really well together, and they seem to keep pairing them up. It's like yeah. oh, when, when Duncan's having his immortal adventure, Tess and Richie do something. Sure. And I yeah, we know what that something is. Yeah. Darkness <laughs> Eleven. You know what that something is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wish they kind of. I mean, like they could have just been given that sort of like detective role it's like they help solve the mysteries and stuff sure and did we say max says to richie at the end don't lose your head it's true don't lose your head <laughs> don't lose your head <laughs> don't lose your head uh, so i feel like we've learned a lot of valuable lessons in this episode mm -hmm. so i think it's time for the will give you a mac attack you ought to know by now you ought to know by now
What have we learned from Mac this episode, guys? I learned from Mac that the ear an earring is the ultimate clue. <laughs> we should do this more often. Valuable life lessons of Duncan McLeod. However, Richie has taught us some other things as well. What, what you don't do 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 do. Yes, welcome to What You Don't Do, the lessons we learned from Richie Ryan. Richie, you have to get your keys ready. Always have them ready. This is like City Living 101. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> get get those out of your pocket Before right away. Before you get to your car. Don't bring night vision goggles to a match fight. <laughs> <laughs> that is a serious what you don't do. What I, what I learned is what you don't do is solve mysteries because the answer is going to be handed to you if you're Richie Ryan and you wait by your phone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very good. That's what you don't do. What's the matter with you? In all this time that you've been with me, how did you learn anything, anything, Any other thoughts on this episode, guys? I mean, now that we're talking about it, I kind of see all the faults with this episode, but, like, I really liked it. Hmm. And I maybe, like, I think the idea that there's this mortal who, like, actively wants to challenge and fight immortals is awesome. Hmm. Especially, like, with a sword. Like, I love that idea. And I almost wish maybe it was explored a little better. Like, maybe this mortal is like, I'm just as good a swordsman as you, even though you've been doing this for 400 years. Like, I want to challenge you, like a personal challenge type thing. I thought it detracted from his character that on top of him wanting to challenge immortals and maybe even kill them for this moral reason that Horton had, like, why'd they also have to make him creepy? Yeah. That's that's like a real... It the undercurring the theme on this show yeah. is yeah. like people are too evil. Like they right. just really retreat from a lot of these gray areas. It's like, okay, this guy, if he wants to do this thing, I'm even okay with the cheating part. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. if he wants the night vision thing, it's like kind of an, a fun idea. It's well, like, don't also yeah. portray this guy like he's a serial rapist. Like, yeah. don't do what you don't do <laughs> is treat our seventh president. Well, he was a terrible person. I'm not going to defend <laughs> yeah. him at all. Who also loved fighting duels. Yeah. He killed a lot of people in duels. I mean, immortals have a serious advantage over any mortal swordsman in that <laughs> That's they're true. immortal. Yeah. So, I, yeah, like the cheating thing, I, I guess. That that wouldn't bother me so, but it's like they bring this weird Silence of the Lambs thing, and and then these next couple of episodes, we're also getting into this movie thing again, yeah. Where they're robbing things from movies for episodes. That's like, true. Yeah. This is Silence of the Lambs with Highlander mixed in, mm-hmm. basically. Um, I would have another way this episode could have gone was maybe I don't know. They they dealt with all this taxidermy stuff on the wall, mm-hmm. which was just set dressing and had nothing to do with this guy's character. But this he's could a have, trophy hunter. Max this could, is this, trophy. This could have yeah. been a uh, you yeah. know the most dangerous game sort of thing. Yeah. And maybe this guy's a watcher. He's into big game hunting and stuff. And he mm-hmm. decides he's like you know what like the th- the really the 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 big prize is an immortal. Yeah, and he uses his watcher connections or something mm-hmm. uh, to go after that would be Mac. Awesome. That might be. I don't know. That's another version of this that yeah. uh, would at least have connected stuff. I don't know. Is this <laughs> is a is a mortal sword fighter ever brought up again in the show? Do we know? I don't. That's remember. kind of the concept of vanity too. Yeah, yeah. In uh, Revenge is Sweet, she's like a highly trained mortal swordsman who swordswoman who wants to fight him. Mm-hmm. The, the, that idea is like really excites me for some reason like an a, like a mortal guy who fights immortals i think that's really cool yeah yeah as opposed to like the hunter style just like walk up and shoot him or yeah getting like up. A, a mortal who's like i can fight you on your own terms and win mm-hmm. like there's something about that that i like yeah and i thought the intro was cool the weird 
night vision thing, even though it wasn't executed that yeah. good. <laughs> I, I just, I just, uh, there's just a lot that bothers me about this episode. Like, there's good, there's good things about it, and I think it's obviously a very important episode because we get, you know, Tess leaving the show and Richie Ryan, beca- like, grows up. Yeah. Uh, and those are very important things. Uh, but that being said, it's like, just, this episode is such a problem getting from point A to point B to point C. It's like completely crippled in its, in like the way it gets around. Yeah. And the Greta thing is just like ditched forever. Like, yep. I think that's <laughs> yeah. weird. And uh, like, I don't know, this, it's this like kind of flirting with the supernatural component of this thing just feels completely lost in the sauce. So Kyle, you, you brought Darkness up earlier. 12, lost in the sauce. <laughs> lost in the sauce. <laughs> Kyle, you bring up uh, the supernatural element. Uh, why don't we segue that into our question of the week? Kyle. So what my question of the week is, what should the role of magic be? In the Highlander universe, I know in some future episodes where we might revisit this territory a little bit, but as we sit now, what do we think its role should be? Right. And so it, again, we, should there be any kind of magic? And with these questions of the week, we, we obviously know there's a lot of stuff coming that will answer some of these questions. But yeah, like you said, should it be there? Like if if we went it purely by what the canon of Highlander is, uh, they're all from another planet. They're so, like it's it gets into some weird territory that I don't know if it should be there or not. So this yeah. is more of a thought experiment uh, regarding this particular episode, not what the canon of the show is. So because we can all Wikipedia that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting that there are immortals and that by that there are other supernatural things like i think that idea could be interesting and maybe could be cool to explore like like vampires or something which i know is coming up but like (laughs) i I think that kind of dichotomy could be interesting Mm. but yeah i mean i don't know if i want there to be like wizards and right (laughs) i i personally am not a big fan of this unless you're dealing with like hard fantasy if this is like lord of the rings and there's elves and wizards and like Mm -hmm. the the, or harry potter like the world's blown open like that's the world it is Mm -hmm. Uh, but it also exists purely in a fantasy world like the whole Mm -hmm. world is fantasy uh i i find sometimes when like there's so much i can like suspension of disbelief and it's like this is a show that exists in the real world uh especially i mean the movie sets that up the first season sets it up i mean there's cops there's reporters like they, they really try to ground a lot of it and it's like and there's immortals that fight each other all right i i can buy into the one like hash mark next the asterisk next to what this real world is but then like how many of these kind of asterisks are we going to add to this world it's like oh and there's this and at some point i kind of start stop buying into this as being relatable or believable for me i kind of just have trouble when they introduce too much kind of fantasy stuff yeah so i guess on one track i have no problem believing that there are other supernatural things that exist in the world of highlander like that doesn't seem inherently contradictory to me i just don't think i just think it becomes problematic from a storytelling point of view when they start to become introduced and it becomes this kind of inconsistent background noise in the highlander universe and i feel like there could be a very interesting highlander show where the gates to this are more open. Mm-hmm. We're like still set in the present day. It's like there are other things out there and we're following one of these kinds of things, but like every once in a while worlds collide and you know, maybe there are these people with psychic powers and they're one subset of this and maybe there are I don't know, shape-changing things out there 
and that's fine. You know, yeah. and it might be interesting to see those things in the past when, like, these mythical creatures were reigning free. And, right. You know, that could be interesting territory. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that needs to be, like, a deliberate choice about what kind of show this is and, like, yeah. what it's like. And I just feel like it. The they dipped their toe into this pond, and that's just distracting. I would agree. That just makes me think, like, why is Greta in this episode at all? Like, like it's you guys unnecessary. Said, why isn't it just Joe? It should be. Every clue that he gets could have come from Joe in a much more believable way and in a much more realistic sounding yeah. thing. Like mm. maybe he goes to Joe. He gets a description of a guy who was a big game hunter who like went off the reservation and eh, that's kind of an insensitive saying, isn't it? Uh, hey, we're talking about Andrew Jackson here. So yeah, I so Andrew Jackson, we could just... You know what I mean. He, <laughs> he uh, you know, violates the rules, maybe gets kicked out. He's a big game hunter. He gets a better physical description than he's just a blonde-haired guy. Then the taxidermy thing becomes more believable because you've got a better physical description and a reason why he might actively be participating in these things. I just feel like the changes don't even need to be that big. Do we yeah. think this Greta thing was another episode at some point? It like, could, I'm yeah. curious, uh, maybe we should ask uh, Mr. O'Brien once next time we talk to him, if, uh, did they know when she was leaving? Like, was this a surprise that it was going to be, like, in the fourth episode? Like, yeah, maybe. you know, uh, maybe they were like, oh, let's just graft this whole plot onto something else. Yeah, like, maybe they had to tack it on, like, they had Tracy already, and they are yeah. like, uh-oh, like, now we just have to make it happen now. Yeah, because, I mean, also for a show that has, like seems to make a fairly big deal of its guest stars like they are the big like they're the villain of the week or something and it's like well they had tracy lords on who was not unknown like at all like i think especially like a teenage audience who might be watching this show would be very excited to see miss tracy lords on their favorite highlander show uh but yeah i don't know if she was supposed to be a different part or something like she almost has no role in it. Like, it's kind of boring. And yeah. Why is it played by her? I don't know. The whole thing's baffling. Yikes. So, Zeist. <laughs> uh, let us know. Write us at uh, HighlanderRewatched at gmail.com to let us know what you think the role of magic should be in Highlander. If you had to kind of redefine what this world would be, or if it should not be there at all. And, like, just tell us your thoughts on uh, our discussion, what you think. One side thought, and I just thought of this, and I feel like there could actually be an interesting show here like an interesting mood for a show here combining the kind of feel of the movie with like these higher fantasy more more magical elements i think would actually be pretty compelling if you've got like this kind of gritty at like noir atmosphere from the movie but instead of just like going and talking to some low lives it's like yo we gotta go talk to the like greta the psychic like (laughs) to get the straight dope well, the, the movies definitely tackled that in a big way. Like, I suppose the show again tips its dips its toes in there. But like, we'll see in Highlander three, Endgame, the sort like they get full on into yeah. this like magic thing. Yeah, but at those points, the noir element is gone. That's also and true. I right. think I think that actually could be some kind of fun television. Yeah, is like a like a a hard noir, hard fantasy show mm. yeah. set in modern day. Totally. That would be cool. Oh, here's something just kind of funny. Uh, so I was looking at the Watcher Chronicles for this episode, and there's like a full Watcher entry on uh, the immortal James, who we only see like a <laughs> oh, second wow. of. For James! And yeah. they give him like a crazy backstory for someone that we never, ever see again. James Vincent always seemed an unlikely candidate to be a writer of children's books. Wow. What? Like, what? Like, why did yeah. they settle on this? Eternally young, handsome, charming, he was more suited to be David Bowie than Dr. Seuss. 
what? Yeah. Dave, why did they choose David Bowie for that? I don't he know. was more suited to be a gender bending, like <laughs> gender bending icon than. Uh, but James had always loved children and was able to talk to them in a special way through his books. Like this, this goes on and on. And his wife's a librarian, and it's you know. And then it's little did any uh, little did anyone think when the day came that the man with the sword would be mortal and a watcher. I am ashamed of my profession. This is a very ashamed of my profession. This is oh, a very yeah. strange uh, watching isn't what it used to be. But what an odd backstory for a uh, a mortal, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind it, I suppose, but yeah. there's no basis for any yeah. of that. It's like I like. I guess I kind of like the idea that he's supposed to be. I guess I'm trying to portray him. He's, he's gentle. He's the exact opposite of someone that one of the a hunter would you know legitimately want to harm. Right. Do watchers get a salary for watching? They must. Seems like a full time gig. Yeah. Maybe. Hmm. Mm. Or is it just for the love of the game? <laughs> and on that note, please join us next week for episode number five, I49. We've been your rewatchers. I'm King. This is Kyle. This is Amy. Bye-bye. Bye. See you. You might know her from Lust in the Fast Lane, Bad Girls 3, Breaking It, Miss Passion, Night of Loving Dangerously, Open Up Tracy, The Sex Goddess, Those Young Girls, Talk Dirty to Me Part 3, Sexy Shorts, What Gets Me Hot, Future Voyeur, Harlequin Affair, Holly Does Hollywood, Hollywood Heartbreakers, Hot Pink, Huge Bras 3, It's My Body, Jean Genie, Just Another Pretty Face, Kinky Business, Ladies and Lace, Erotic Zones, Volume 1, Erotic Gold, Electric Blue, 28, Adventures of Tracy Dick, The Case of the Missing Stiff, Another Roll in the Hay, Aroused, Blackthroat, Country Girl, Diamond Collection, 69, Diamond Collection, 73, Dirty Pictures, Dream Lover, Educating Mandy, Electric Blue, 20, Electric Blue, 21, Love Bites, New Wave Hookers, one Hot Night of Passion, Tracy's Dilemma, Swedish Erotica 57, Swedish Erotica 60, Sweet Little Things, Tailhouse Rock, Talk Dirty to Me, Part 4, Two-Timing Tracy, We Love to Tease, Wild Things, Young and Restless 2, Susie's Superstar 2, Sizzling Suburbia, Sister Dearest, Sex Waves, Passion Pit, Peekaboo Gang, Perfect Fit, Physical 2, Pleasure Party, Pony Girl, Number 2, Porn in the USA, Portrait of Lust, Private Fantasies 5, Sex Fifth Avenue, Sex Shoot, Pony Girl, The Graffenberg Spot, Tracy in Heaven, Tracy Takes Tokyo, Beverly Hills Copulator, Fantasies, Foxy Boxing, or Hot Cum Orgy!